to, if, if I look at the shop, so I mean, the sort of thing that happens is, you know, suddenly, we, you know, we we have a shelf with all the new releases on that, that's, you know, uh, new this week. It's called, and it's perpetually shifting because we have new magazines coming in every day. So it's this kind of ever changing kind of ten, twelve magazines that are being presented on that shelf. And sometimes you look at it and think, well, they're all orange. How did that happen? There's been no great, you know, every year Pantone systems sit down and say, oh, it's going to be violet. 2020 is going to be lilac. Nobody's actually sat down and said, hey, guys, uh, and end of 2019, just make sure your front cover's orange. But there's just this kind of strange thing that happens. It's a strange sort of synchronicity that, 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 that kicks in, and it's the same in everything that you do, I think. You, know, you suddenly see links between something, and that's the point of it. You know, the last thing I want to do is is try and say, I've got it all sewn up, this is what matters, boom, I'm going to the pub and it's never, never going to change. The point is there's always something new and it's shifting. And it's kind of, that's really important to me. Jeremy Leslie loves magazines. He leads Mag Culture, a design studio, online resource, magazine shop, and events producer. He divides his time between designing, writing, and curating. His book, The Modern Magazine, was published in 2013, and the Mag Culture Online Journal is a key source of editorial design opinion and news. In this episode, we talk about magazines as recording devices and the ongoing evolution of ideas in the space where print and digital meet. On the advice of my art teacher at school, I went to an art school, what was then the London College of Printing, which had a great reputation and speciality in typography because he thought that was right for me. Uh, and to be honest, myself and probably my parents, who were always super supportive, but didn't really know what the hell I was getting involved in. I think we all, you know, just just relieved that there was something for me to go and do after school. I didn't really know what I was getting into. But at that time, the two magazines launched. One was The Face. The other was a, a weekly listings magazine, which was a competitor, of, sort of grew out of a political situation at Time Out magazine. That was called City Limits. And those two mags on a weekly with City Limits and on a monthly basis with The Face, I would buy those two magazines. So I followed the interest of the content, but suddenly there was design happening on the page. And, and you know, naive as I was, I didn't. I was studying design and I hadn't really made the link with somebody designing a magazine. Right. You would never have held up Enemy mm-hmm. as a wow. Right. This is well designed. This is mm-hmm. this is intriguing. It wasn't about the design. It was about the content. But it, but it, it mattered to me because it was the only way I could find out what bands were releasing the music I was into and who was playing in London at the weekend and where me and my mates would go and see them play. Yeah, there seems to be, uh, or the way you describe magazines, you describe them as sort of recording devices. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even in a way, it comes back to just music in itself. Music is obviously time bound and it's something that you experience and it's gone. And it feels like magazines maybe are somewhere in between where they're time bound, but at the same time, they are, they have a certain level of permanence. And so why are they? What do you mean when you say they're recording devices for what goes into them? What does that mean for you? The first part of it is kind of pretty, Obvious, and it's the secondary part, which I think is the part that excites me. But it, you know, I, I, I hope it's pretty obvious, really, that the uh, magazine is full of, of stories and content, and, and they are of their time. But the thing that I particularly refer to when magazines are kind of recording devices of sort of reflect their era is the design, because if you look at this three forms of publishing, being newspaper, magazine, and book, well, a book you carry on working and finessing until it's ready. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's not time 
It's not so time sensitive. You, you get it done to the best of your ability. But if it's not working out in some way in terms of the design or the, or mm-hmm. the that that finessing of it, you just delay the next season. Mm-hmm. Newspaper is templated. It has to come out tomorrow or else you haven't got a business. Magazines are sort of stuck in the middle, mm-hmm. especially now uh, with technology being so flexible and so so. so one is so able to manipulate the content that you are presenting in a magazine page. You you want it to be as best as it can, so you work it and you work it and you work it, and you, of course, the other influences come in along the way in terms of new typography or new effects via InDesign or Photoshop filters, whatever it is. But the, all these elements come into play. But then also there comes a point with a magazine where you've got a deadline, and so for however brilliant you're trying to make it be you've got it that that kind of newspaper type deadline suddenly kicks in so you've had this time of being able to work and work and hone and hone and suddenly you've got to actually get it done and at that point it gets really interesting because at that point you've just got to find a solution to it and at that point that odd idea you saw from the bus in the way to work or that advert or that thing you saw on your phone or whatever all those other things suddenly appear so you get sort of weird little typefaces and weird little glitches and weird little ideas and versions of something you've seen that aren't quite the same so it reflects the graphic identity of of, mm-hmm. of the era they were created in how would you describe what you're doing now with mag culture like what is mag culture mag culture is it's a complicated project that is hard to describe but, but what i always come back to is actually you know it is this idea of curatorship stroke editorship still designing we have the writing for the online journal and and editing other people's writing for that uh, we'd have the events, both small and local, at our shop and big uh, on, a, on an annual basis uh, in London and in New York. We had the podcast. There's all these various elements. There's the shop. and, and But all of them come down to the kind of, you know, same basic thing. And so whether you're looking at the content that's going to go into a magazine, what should we put in it? And so we should have that. Should we have that? No, but if we put them in, that's too much of this. So it's decision-making based on what you've got and what's available. And it's the same I, I literally, when we're planning the big, uh, the day-long conferences we do, I plan it like a magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same. It's the same kind of concept of just thinking. Well, so we're going to have longer pieces and shorter pieces. We're going to have a little bit in the middle, which is lots of lots of short pieces back to back, and then a longer piece. Mm-hmm. And we're sort of building it both so in terms of timing, but also in terms of subject. So we have a, a, a big kind of keynote type thing from a large internationally known publication, followed by a really exciting new project who and the person's going to speak 10 minutes about the one issue of their magazine they've ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a real balance. of, of and, and then within that, of course, you're also looking at men versus women in terms of the gender balance. You're looking at um, different backgrounds in terms of the, the diversity of the speakers. All these different elements come to, into play just as it would in a magazine. Right. Uh, and it's the same with the shop. And in the end, it's all, you're, you're, you're making choices on the on the basis of what's already there to try and create something which is more than just here's a bunch of stuff this episode of first things first is brought to you by shopify shopify is an e-commerce platform that makes it easy for anybody to build an online shop no design experience required Visit media.frontier.is forward slash first things first to get started and join over 600,000 businesses now powered by Shopify. You're kind of in the driver's seat of this question of um, is print coming back? And I know it's a tired question, but I think it does speak to a very profound 
Yeah. I, I was on the streetcar on the way here this morning and I looked around to do the typical, like who's looking at a phone. And I happened to be sitting by someone who was reading a, a printed book and then mm-hmm. the person ahead of them was reading a, um, a newspaper. And both of them were probably in their late 20s, early 30s. And that struck me. But it's always, okay, is that is that what's changing? Is it, you know, and, and I, I know that, I don't know that anything ever replaces anything else. It just mm-hmm. starts to, the landscape sort of reconfigures itself. But for you, where do you feel, what's the soul of the printed word? And is that, how do you see it growing or evolving or changing as a result of this kind of major transition into more of a digital world? It's a long time since I've, I've addressed the print is dead question. It was sort of, in my mind, we've moved on from that. And the, the situation we've moved to is one where, you know, we're, we're ever surprised by the so-called dead medium that just won't mm-hmm. go away. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as simple as, you know, this has come along, so that's, you know, that kills that. There Now, so, but to be realistic, you know, there's a whole, there are genres of magazine print publishing which have gone and dead forever. You know, the, the weekly business professional magazine that relied on recruitment advertising, well, you know, it's it that that kind of recruitment advertising so much better online. Mm-hmm. Who, who, you know, who, who's really going to worry about that? Mm-hmm. People lost their job. I mean, you know, there's there's mm-hmm. consequences, of course, but in the long run, it makes sense that it's better dealt with online. Um, and if I look at something like NME, that that's no longer in print. Myself and the people that used to buy it, uh, we used to buy it as much as anything to find out from the listings. Well, magazines aren't going to have listings now. Why? I mean, that's 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 a function which is better dealt with online. So what can print offer? Print can offer uh, a more deeper, longer-form style of writing and content, which is made to be experienced a bit more like a book where, you, you know, you, you dive into it and you disappear for a while. You, mm-hmm. you, it's a whole world of, of um, expression and ideas and thought that you can lose yourself in without getting a tweet mm-hmm. notification without somebody w- whatsapping you without whatever mm-hmm. and i sp- and i you know that's not some sort of theoretical thing that's you know i use a phone and i read on the phone and i get interrupted the whole time and i just deal with it but it's 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 you know that's how it is but it's, it's it can be a pleasure to set aside some time and sit down with a magazine mm-hmm. and just lose yourself in that and the point is i think there's you know you need both mm-hmm. i always look there's you know there's there's um I'm, I'm getting headlines via Twitter the whole time. Then there's a magazine called Delayed Gratification, which comes out quarterly, and it's a news magazine, but it looks at the news from three three months ago right. and readdresses it and takes time to th- actually consider. So those headlines you got all panicky about on Twitter, looking back, no, that well this mattered, but this didn't matter. That this is the this is the news with the benefit of of, of mm-hmm. hindsight. One of the points I was trying to get across, and I always get across when I'm speaking, is you know, print loves digital, and digital loves you know, they, they, they rely on each other enormously, and, and we, you know, we all rely on them, and I think both have their strengths, and we need to kind of make space, find the right kind of uh, role for both of them. A vital part of of all of this is how do you beat the algorithm? How do you avoid just being shown what you? The system knows you want to be shown, so how do you break out of that? Which is the big issue online. The, you know, the fact is that you know I could get my laptop out now, and you can get your laptop out, and we can search for the same phrases. Mm-hmm. We'll get different answers based mm-hmm. on your search history and the fact right. that you live in Toronto. I'm a stranger in town from London. We'll get different stuff, and, and that's that's not what the promise of the internet was. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and and I love that because the printed word in some ways is like there's one version. You yeah. know, and, and as we move more towards an algorithm-driven world, this idea that somehow you're getting information that's more suited to you. I mean, the algorithm doesn't know you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it and also doesn't understand that part of the joy of experience in life is actually those moments where something comes at you that you didn't even know you wanted. It helps you sort of even understand who you are by what you don't want to read in a way, yeah, right? Yeah. Where if everything's being fed to you all the time, it uh, feels unhealthy somehow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and in that sense, there's a sort of seizing back control. And I think, you know, I think that's a fascinating subject. I think, you know, there's, there, as I say, to be, I mean, there are positives about print and there are positives about digital. There are downsides to both print and digital, but it's, it's, it's how you're kind of telling stories and expressing and sharing and, you know, mm-hmm. what, what you're doing with it all. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, but, it, but, it's, but it's all happening together. I love the synthesis of text and image on the page and the way when you bring design into that as well, you have a unique opportunity to express the story that needs to be told. You talk about magazines representing more than themselves. And to me, I read that or I heard that as something to say. That's, that's something, it's aspirational. If you're doing a magazine that's truly a worthwhile endeavor, it's doing something greater than itself. And so for you, what are the characteristics of magazines that are doing something more than themselves? They are acting as experts and offering you information and intelligence and driving you forward in terms of your own experience and what you think. You mm-hmm. might not agree with what you're reading, but right. you're being challenged and you're being advanced forward. And I, and I don't think at that point you can't escape a part. You know, we're back on the algorithm, but we're also back on the on the fake news and the bullshit of the, of, of the digital experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's too easy to to point your finger at it and start, you know, and in one sense, it's too easy to start pointing your finger at digital saying, yeah, but so much of it is shit. Mm-hmm. But so much of it is. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, there has been this kind of defiance of somebody who's, who knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. defiance of, of refusing to listen to somebody who's good at what they do. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, we need people that are good at what they do to point out that actually, if we, if we could just do this, it might benefit. You know, not me, not you, the list, the world. And there's huge terms to put it in. We need to be stimulated and challenged. And, you know, I think it's important that we keep trying to sort of shift it forward and better ourselves and better everything. To learn more about Jeremy, visit magculture.com. First Things First is produced by Max Cotter. Frontier Media is a part of Frontier, a design office based in Toronto, Canada. We believe that design is more than visual. It's a process of exploration, discovery, sketching, prototyping, iteration, and refinement. That process can help create a better world. Our mission is to help others understand how that goal can be accomplished. To do this, we use design to create better and more purposeful products... We publish a magazine and produce this podcast to explore and celebrate the risks people take in the process of creating things that are original and worthwhile, and we work with clients to help them define their purpose and tell their story. To learn more, visit www.frontier.is.
First Things First is recorded in Toronto and Vancouver at the Design Thinkers Conference, organized by our founding partners at RGD, the Association of Registered Graphic Designers, who represent over 3,800 design practitioners, including firm owners, freelancers, managers, educators, and students. Through RGD, Canadian designers exchange ideas, educate and inspire, set professional standards, and build a strong, supportive community dedicated to advocating for the value of design. 